Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A great Brazilian team. Gout, it's there. They're ahead. It's one of the biggest sporting events in the world. And today, we're giving you an inside look at the teams and playoff pictures to date. As we present Atlanta Soccer Tonight. It's okay now. The goalkeeper's beaten. And South Africa has their first goal. Listen as Jason Longshore gives you all the latest in the world of soccer. As we break down the matchups and get you insights you can only find here. It's oh, he's in the post. Theo has to. He's in the post. But it's finally in. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Monday night. I'm Jason Longshore alongside Jessica Charman. And Jess, look, I know you're not stressing England tomorrow. I get it. You guys are all butt through into the round of 16. I'm just a little on edge because tomorrow afternoon, could be one of the most important days in U.S. soccer in my lifetime. So if I'm a little stressed tonight, I apologize in advance. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm still stressed. You just never know what can happen with this England side. We've seen the best and we've seen the worst. And I'll tell you, anything can happen in a rivalry like England versus Wales. So who knows? Who knows? We've seen stranger things happen in this World Cup. So I feel like we have that in common tonight, Jason, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of tension. That's very kind of you. I I appreciate the attempt. However, England is all but into the round of 16. Let's lay this out, what Group B looks like as you go into the last day. England will play Wales at 2 o'clock, same time, USA, Iran. We'll get into all the particulars of the U.S. matchup. For the U.S., look, it's simple. You win, you're in, period. You don't win, you're not going to the round of 16. You're going home, and then there's a lot of questions going forward. There is an outside chance to win the group for the U.S. if England loses to Wales or draws, and then the U.S. wins by five because you got to flip (laughs) goal differential. Look, just beat Iran and get into the round of 16. That is the goal for the United States. For England, they win the group with a win. They win the group with a draw if U.S.-Iran is a draw. It would take a lot for England not to make it. Wales would have to jump them or Iran would have to jump them. And there's going to have to be a lot of goals scored for that to happen. You guys are good. Iran, they get in over the U.S. with a win or a draw. They can win the group if England loses or draws. Wales is the one that has the longest shot here. They got to... 
beat England. They have to hope for a draw in U.S. Iran, which is kind of a weird situation to be mm -hmm. in. If that's a win either way, then it gets really complicated and Wales has got to blow England out by four or more, which is not going to happen. Just It's not going to happen. We have seen strange things in this tournament. Not that strange. So, look, I mean, for England, it's almost job done. Um, and maybe that affected why Gareth Southgate's team was a little conservative against the U.S. on Friday. Don't lose that, and you're pretty much good. And that's where England sits going into the last day. Which is a nice position to be in, but at the same time, now it's about building momentum. Now it's about building consistency. It's about performing to a high level. My concern is if in this game, you play like you did against the U.S. And that's not to discredit the U.S. We've talked and talked about the performance of the USA. I think they outplayed England. But from an English side, it was a disappointing, underwhelming performance in terms of tactics, in terms of the way we played, in terms of speed and transition. We cannot afford to do that against Wales just because we're coasting, just because we know we're in. Because when you get out into the knockout stages, there is no coasting. It's a must win or go home game every single time. So I think right now from an England viewpoint, I want them to put Wales down and down convincingly. You want another very convincing performance that allows you to bring players on to, to really show what they can do for this side ready for the knockouts. Yeah, it's about building momentum for England. It's, I mean, the result matters and, you know, you'd love to win big and, and have it be comfortable and emphatic and all these things to build momentum. But it's more about, okay, where can Phil Foden help me if I'm Gareth Southgate? Uh, you know, do I need to change up the midfield? Is Jude Bellingham maybe ready for these kind of big games? Because mm -hmm. he didn't look ready against the U.S. You know, maybe I do need to play Jordan Henderson next to Declan Rice and be a little more conservative. I there's things to do for England in, in game three. Absolutely. But the storyline, and it's not just because we're in the United States and, and that's where we do this. I wouldn't show. let you. I wouldn't let you, Jason. Don't worry. It's an important storyline. The story, the storyline's US Iran. And, and it <laughs> will be really worldwide for a number of reasons. One, it's a win and you're in. To the just natural rivalry between the U.S. and Iran, who haven't had diplomatic relations since 1980. Um, and the fact that the U.S. has never beaten Iran. Never. They only played twice. Uh, a draw in a friendly in 2000. And a very famous loss in the group stage in 1998 in the second game. But that's the game that eliminated the U.S. They did have to play the third game and a loss to Yugoslavia. But that was a very famous draw. And one of the big storylines in that one was the Iranian team was very up for that, understanding the real-world ramifications of that game beyond just what was on the pitch. And the U.S. maybe tried to avoid that aspect of it. Um, and maybe didn't understand what the intensity was going to be like, where it was a little bit more than just a, a regular match. Well, I think the U.S. today got a sense that this is not going to be just a regular match in the pregame media availabilities today. Greg Berhalter and Captain Tyler Adams spoke to the media, and the overwhelming majority of the questions were from Iranian outlets, and it was a very awkward press conference Jess yeah I mean obviously I didn't have access to it but reading the statements watching the videos uncomfortable to say the least questions that maybe you weren't expecting 
in a soccer press conference, but I think the door has been open due to some of the social media that we talked about yesterday, some of the approach from the USA uh, social media team that almost invited these questions to the press conference. And listen, Tyler Adams, ultimate pro, can't praise him enough for the way he responded to it. But if that doesn't give us an inkling to where the tension is going in this game, to what is motivating these two sides, to the fact that this is going to be a rivalry game, not just because of the importance for both these sides in terms of World Cup implications, but because of the fact that there's no love lost between these two sides. And we've heard some comments and uh, things backfire during this World Cup. I hope that from a USA perspective and obviously having a soft spot for this country that there hasn't been added fuel to the fire of Iran because they're going to be coming out motivated and wanting to make sure that they come through in this group as well. Yeah, Grant Wall, uh, formerly of Sports Illustrated uh, and, and Fox Sports, was at the press conference and he talked about both press conferences. First off, the Iranian press conference was almost a pep rally in some ways. There was clapping for answers and clapping when people arrived at the beginning and in the middle and at the end. Um, no U.S. journalists were called on by the FIFA moderator for the Iranian press conference. Um, and nine media members from Iran were called on by the FIFA moderator in the U.S. press conference, which is... Hmm. Again, very, very <laughs> odd. You can't ignore this aspect of it. You can't ignore the history between the two countries. You can't ignore the social media issue that has popped up that U.S. soccer created. You can't ignore what's going on in Iran right now. You can't ignore the complications for the players of the Iran national team and their manager, Carlos Quiroz. You can't ignore the challenges they're dealing with internally. None of that can be ignored because this is not just a game. This is not just a meaningless game. This is not game one of the tournament. This is game three. The U.S. has to win. Iran can get through with a win or a draw. One of them is going through. The other one is not. And that's going to set storylines alight for not just days, not just weeks, not just months, but years. This is massive. And I think after today's media availability, as awkward as it was, I do think the U.S. players and Greg Berhalter and all the staff have to understand now that this is not just your, your everyday important match. This is beyond that. And they're going to have to be ready to deal with it. So almost, would you phrase it as being a blessing in disguise in some ways, that it's given them the wake-up call, that it's allowed them another level of motivation? We knew Iran was going to be motivated for many reasons, including the comments on BBC, that even though that wasn't the USA's fault, that was English media, it still has given them extra motivation to show that they're a very talented soccer team. Do you think now the US is awake to the threat that Iran can possess even more? Yeah, I think I think they're awake to the the threat of not understanding the magnitude of this match beyond the magnitude in soccer terms. I think they they now know that this is more than just that. And that's a good thing. And that's something that in 1998 
maybe the team didn't completely understand. That was a very dysfunctional team in 1998. There were issues. Uh, the captain was dropped, John Harks, before the tournament. Uh, all kinds of soap operas that you can dig into in, the, in that scene. And that probably affected that focus for the Iran match there. I don't think that's going to be an issue with this. Even that being said, this game is a defining moment for U.S. soccer. It, it absolutely is. This Everything the program has done since they lost in Trinidad and Tobago in 2017 is on the line in this game. Everything. Everything. Is that fair? No. But that's the, the world that that's the soccer world that everybody knew that when they walked in the door, Greg Berhalter's out of contract at the end of the year, it's going to be really hard to sell giving him a new deal. If they don't get out of the group, they're the number two seed expectation mm -hmm. to get out of the group. 100% fair. That should be the minimum for the U S men's national team. At this point, you can't ever say like, well, you have to get to the quarterfinal, but you have to get to the semifinal. You don't know what the bracket's going to look like. Mm -hmm. That's completely unpredictable. You can control getting out of the group. That has to be the bare minimum for the U.S. men's national team every time at the World Cup now. They have to. There's no excuses for that. Without knowing how tomorrow goes, has this team been a disappointment in the tournament? No, absolutely not. They've conceded one goal. It was a penalty. It was off of an individual mistake. Mm -hmm. They've been bold. They've attacked. They've been proactive. They've had that spirit and that style of play that everybody has wanted to see that's been promised over the years, that now we've finally seen. They've done everything but score goals in this tournament. Everything. So, no, there's no disappointment right now. But mm -hmm. goals decide games. Plot. Goals decide games. That's, that's what it comes down to. Goals decide games. Tomorrow, goals are going to decide futures. Not just for Greg Berhalter. For players. For the U.S. program and for what the direction is from after this tournament to win the U.S. hosts in 2026. That's what's on the line tomorrow. And that's a lot. That's a lot for a team no that has been the youngest. <laughs> seriously, I mean, they've been the youngest starting lineup in both games in this tournament. They're the youngest. Even with Tim Ream, who's 35, they're still the youngest. <laughs> that's a lot for them to deal with. How important the game is. If they get to advance all of the socio-political issues with Iran, that's a lot. And they've got to block that out and they've got to do what, frankly, they haven't done very well in this tournament. They've got to score goals. If they get goals, they can win this game, period, because I think they can keep Iran in check. But they've got to get goals and they've got to show that they can do it. We've got other games to talk about. We've got games from today. We've got other games tomorrow. Ecuador and, and Senegal is going to be a massive one. We will do all of that in five minutes when we're back on Atlanta Soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back. Atlanta Soccer Tonight live on 92.9 Game. And the Odyssey app getting ready for U.S. and Iran tomorrow. But everybody finished their second games in the World Cup group stage today. And just the early games today, luckily the last 5 a.m. and 8 a.m. games on the slate, they made up for it. They were chaotic this morning. 11 goals in two games. It was craziness. It was absolutely nuts. It was crazy, Jess. It was. It was another one where I woke up and wished that I had set my alarm a little bit earlier because, honestly, I regretted not waking up for the madness that was six goals in 90 minutes of action. It was entertaining. Was it a good game in terms of the quality and the exhaustion and the lack of defense? Maybe not the best example of quality defending, but alas, an entertaining one for us neutrals, right? Yeah, the the defense was optional in Cameroon, in Serbia, and in Ghana and and South Korea. It was 3-3 between Cameroon and Serbia. Let's start there. It's it's really bad for both of these teams in that they had probably the most entertaining game of the tournament, and it really hurt both of them a lot in terms of getting to the knockout stage because one of them really needed to win this. Uh, you had two goals in first half stoppage time for Serbia after Cameroon had jumped to the lead. You had first three shots on target for Serbia in the tournament were all goals. Just craziness. Alexander Mitrovic scored two of them. He scored 62 goals since the start of the 2021-22 season for club and country. It's, it's insanity. But then Cameroon comes back two times, something Argentina couldn't do against Saudi Arabia, two times. They perfectly timed the run in behind down to the centimeter and were onside and got two goals to level it. 
And the finish, I'm sorry, that cheeky little dink over the top. I couldn't believe it. He almost like just scooped it up. The first touch was incredible to throw mm -hmm. the defender. The finish, I don't know. It wasn't like the most aesthetic of chips. It was like he scooped it up, but it worked. I mean, it, it was, was a it scoop, was a not it a chip. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was an interesting one because it was like a it was like a scoop you do in a futsal game or, or something where you're just kind of having fun. It wasn't a chip like we see a lot of times in that situation. It's incredible that Vincent Abubakar was able to pull that off. A lot of people have said, like, oh, he only tried it because maybe he thought he was offside. I'm not buying that. I'm not You're buying not, that. See, I'm not going to lie. Part of me and his reaction after he did it was almost like he looked, he checked, he thought he was probably offside. And they were almost more surprised when it was given as a goal. I think everyone, from how much space he had created, I mean, he timed his run perfectly, he had the pace to burn, he was able to do it. But when you saw him with that much space, you just thought he has to be offside. And I do think, you don't think, you don't think it might have been a different finish if he had thought 100% he was on? Well, I'll just say I'm glad that he, he did what he did because he created one of the best goals of the tournament with that. Um, I, I think he... I don't think he just, I don't think it was a throwaway. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Did he maybe feel like, oh, I can try something here? Maybe that's it. You might do that when it's 3-1 anyway. So mm -hmm. Vincent Abubakar has been, he, he is a very confident guy. He's a guy who talks some trash. He at AFCON said that he didn't really care anything about all the talk about Mosala, that he's here to do what he does. I kind of like the swagger out of him. And he had a hand in the set in the second goal in this three minute span, two times in this match, you had two goals in three minutes, which is crazy. Eric Chupo Motang with an emphatic goal and Cameroon got a point. They did have some controversy off the field where Andre Onana, their goalkeeper was sent home, sent out of camp, whatever. And now they don't know if he's going to come back or not, if they're going to allow him to come back. There's always drama off the field with Cameroon. Yeah, I mean, it's a walk of shame for a goalkeeper. I can't believe that you've actually decided. Whatever altercation happened, I don't know at this point. I think you've got to talk it out. You've got to be men. You've got to grow up a little bit and accept an altercation. Maybe have some sort of punishment in terms of the speaking to, but to send the player away, it just feels like there's something not quite right within the locker room there. Yeah, it feels very, very strange. And I, I think there are some things that are not quite right there between... Samuel Leto, who is overseeing the Cameroonian Federation, Rigobert Song, former teammate, now manager, and there's talk about Eto kind of pulling the strings on everything, not Song. So again, soap operas, that's the usual with Cameroon. The game was a bit of a soap opera, but they do get a point. Now they've only got to beat Brazil in the last day to have a chance to go through. We'll get there in a minute. Ghana, 3-2 winners over South Korea. Mohamed Kudus, a player that we've talked about, a player who... I think is is really starting to become a household name on the world stage. He had two goals. First time anybody's done that for Ghana at a World Cup match. South Korea, though, after falling behind, after failing to have a shot on target for 156 minutes and three seconds in this tournament, they score two goals in two minutes and 48 seconds. What was it with the quick strikes this morning? Do you not think that says more about the defensive mindset, though, to me? As a defensive-minded player, I think that shows that you've crumbled. I think it shows that you're so frustrated that you've conceded a goal, then you've switched off, you're feeling sorry for yourself, and it's given you this disadvantage against the forward thinking. And I think it was a day where a lot of defensive organization wasn't quite there, and there were some struggles with 
that defensive side of the game. Credit to Ghana for bouncing back, though, and Kudus getting the winner after Chogu Sung. Two goals in three minutes to bring South Korea back. Now, you did have some controversy after the match. Paolo mm -hmm. Bento, who had been the first manager in the tournament to get a yellow card, became the first manager in the tournament to get a red card. You had 10 minutes of stoppage time that was indicated. Korea got another opportunity past the 10. It went to about 10.55 or so, if I remember right. And they had earned a corner. A long-range shot was blocked, and the referee blew the whistle there rather than giving the corner. Bento went nuts. He's fired up. Something similar happened in the first half, too, so maybe he had reason for it. But the ref had played past the allotted time. He doesn't have to give the corner. I would have gone nuts as a coach. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I know there's no there's no obligation, right? At no, all. Particularly none. Absolutely none. As it wasn't like he blew the whistle right on the 10 minutes, he gave a little leeway. But yeah, I guess about a minute. we're so used to finishing off the offensive phase of play, to allow a defender to clear it away, to not have an obvious opportunity on frame. And let's be honest, a corner kick, you send your goaler forward, you're getting that one last opportunity to throw everything in. But you've got to be smarter than getting yourself sent off. Now, South Korea is without their leader. They're without their coach. They're without someone to guide them. And you've sort of just shown your naivety in the game, really, by going out and going after the referee, because what's it going to change? At this point, he's blown his whistle. He's not going to come back and be like, oh, no, you're right. Let's take the corner. So I, I just think that be frustrated, but there's no point heading over and getting in the referee's face. Yeah, the thing about Bento is, though, he, he's kind of known for this sort of stuff. So I almost wonder if after not getting the win, it was almost like his last card he could play to get them fired up going into the last game of, hey, I'm fighting for you. I'm going to miss this last game. He's going to do everything in the buildup, and he's going to do everything that's set in the lineup. I don't know. Maybe that was his – maybe it was intentional at that point. I think he was legitimately angry. Mm -hmm. But maybe he took it further to try to be a rallying cry. We'll find out. South Korea, third team in the tournament to have more than 20 shots in a game and lose. That's kind of hard to do. South Korea has, has done it. They joined Germany against Japan and Canada against Belgium. Brazil did not have 20 shots. It's actually kind of tough for Brazil today. Mm -hmm. They got the 1-0 win over Switzerland. Uh, first 30 minutes was very even, just like the Brazil game with, with Serbia. Switzerland had more of the ball than Serbia did. Uh, Jan Sommer, great goalkeeper for Switzerland. He made a big save on Vinicius Jr. in the 27th minute. Brazil was missing Neymar. They really couldn't find the way to get in behind. It was when they started to get Switzerland to bite. Passes that were a little risky kind of opened things up when the Swiss went for it, didn't get it. There was a goal that was called back. It was correct, being offside. Uh, Richarlison was coming back from an offside position. But then... The wait was worth it. The goal from Casemiro, even with the little deflection, whew, what a finish. Yeah, difficult, difficult technique, let's be honest with you. You're not hitting those every day with that clean of a connection. Takes a deflection, but it's goal-bound anyway. Keeper is literally rooted to the spot. I love the view, and I know Swiss fans won't love the view, but just watching the goalkeeper's face as he realizes, I'm getting nowhere near this. I don't even have a chance. It was a glorious goal. But Brazil, I mean, I had said, I've got no concerns about not having Neymar. I've got no concerns. I think they're a deep, deep squad. Well, I think they're missing Neymar very, very dearly in terms of that performance. There was no connectivity, really, for me. There was no link-up play. They were missing his creativity, and I think they struggled. And that's not to take away from the Swiss. I think they were very organized. They frustrated opponents. 
I don't think they're a fantastic side in terms of soccer ability, but they have a game plan and they know how to stick to it successfully. And they were able to withstand a team like Brazil for 88 minutes or something along those lines. So credit to them. Brazil's quality prevail. But if they're not able, and I've seen Neymar's ankle and he's doing the updates and he's in the rehab room early in the morning, long, long hours. I think they're saying he's going to be ready more to sort of boost the nation's confidence than if he's actually going to be ready at a hundred percent. I don't think Neymar comes back off of that ankle injury a thousand percent, the Neymar that we know he can be. I think he can still be effective though. And I'm sure he has tried to find a hyperbaric chamber in Qatar, whatever will help that ankle heal faster. He's doing everything possible. He'll be a presence. Will he be what he was before the injury? Probably not. But can he still be somebody who helps Brazil look more dangerous than he did today? Yeah, I think he can be, but probably not against Cameroon. It'll probably be once you get to the knockouts. And then the question is, does he start or does he come off the bench? We'll just have to wait and see. Last game of the day, Portugal and Uruguay. Uh, Portugal got the win, 2-0. It was a weird one. It was super intense. Lots of fouls, lots of physicality. Uh, the first goal, they're still arguing about it. Cristiano Ronaldo is calling up his buddy Piers Morgan to say, no, I got a touch. It's a goal for me. Like, oh. like, what are you a touch, doing? A touch with his hair gel, maybe. Maybe. Like, it looked like that close-up of the dripping hair gel is disgusting, by the way. I think he just needs to let it go, man. Like, it's a goal. You've already, you've already it's scored goal. your goals. Like, let it go. It's your teammate. It counts. That sort of, yeah. to me, I'm sorry, that epitomizes the guy that Ronaldo is, that he cares more. Yeah about his own stat line, about his own goals, than the fact his team picked up a 2-0 victory. I bet he wanted to be on the pitch for the penalty too, didn't he? Oh, I'm sure he did. It's just, it's so weird. And look, I think the Portuguese players understand it. They they get it. They're not angry about it. Like, like maybe we are looking at it from the outside. I wouldn't want to play on his team, Jason. I wouldn't. I mean, you want a player of his quality on your right. team. But I think he does, luckily... He makes up for it with his talent, right? But I think he does damage to the chemistry and the team spirit equality within the team because yeah. he, he has a, a, a ego that needs rubbing on a regular basis. Yeah, he absolutely does. And, and I, I think he's a unique figure in Portugal. It's Messi, there's Maradona in Argentina. Messi is, is a, a demigod in Argentina, but there's somebody else, Diego Maradona. Neymar in Brazil, there's Pelé. You know, there, mm -hmm. there's so many legendary Brazilian players. Every country's got that. Portugal has legends, but nobody like Cristiano Ronaldo. So I think the players put up with it to a point. But I think when you get into a really tough do-or-die game, I think it's going to end up creating a crack in this team. I really do. Now, we got to talk about the opposition in Uruguay because the, the media in Montevideo is mm -hmm. not happy about the approach of this team way too conservative they looked great when the game opened up and they went for it super conservative just sitting back it's very negative uh diego alonso is not making friends in montevideo uruguay and they're gonna have to open up in the last game of the group the ultimate revenge game uruguay and ghana go back to 2010 Watch Luis Suarez bat the ball down off the goal line. Penalty goes off the crossbar. Ghana gets knocked out instead of going to a semifinal. And completely everything was handled right. But Uruguay, 
the Ghanaians want their revenge and all they need is a draw to advance. That's going to be one of the games of this last round of group stage games. All right. We're going to talk about England. We're going to talk about the U S and what they have to do tactically. We're going to talk about all of that in five minutes coming up on Atlanta soccer tonight on 92, nine, the game and the odyssey. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. When it comes to the world of soccer, we've got you covered. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9 Game and the Odyssey app. U.S.-Iran coming up in about, what, 16 hours or so? Not that I'm counting already, but there is another game in Group B. We've got to talk about it equal time and all that good stuff. England and Wales. Um, The Welsh have to win. The Welsh to advance because they're hoping for a draw in the other game, which is really awkward. Um, to control their own destiny, they got to win by four, which is going to be really difficult to do, but, you know, whatever. Uh, their players, according to Telegraph Sport, are begging Rob Page, their manager, to let them off the leash, not play a line of five in the back, just go for it, bring bring James back into the team, start Bale up top, just absolutely go for it. Are you afraid, Jess? I think it'd be a lot of fun, honestly. I'd love to see them try. And that's that's fighting wow. words from me, let's be honest. But wow. I just think if they really try to go all out, it may play into England's hands. They may be oh, able yeah. to utilize the space in and behind because the quality isn't there across the team. They've got quality components. But let's be honest, when you're bringing a Chris Gunter in your World Cup squad that's playing for AFC Wimbledon right now, your squad depth's not really at the same level as England. I love me some Chris Gunter. He he was a Reading hero, but nonetheless. Shots I think at AFC Wimbledon over here. Jeez. Hey, <laughs> it's nothing about the club. I'm just saying you're at the World Cup. And I think that if they come at us 
England's going to love it. They're going to absolutely love the space in and behind. They're going to love that they're going to be able to take the game to them. Now, do I think that they might score a goal? I don't think England will get a clean sheet if they play that way, but I think it could be a goal fest and the majority of the goals will probably go for the three lines. It could be a really interesting one if Wales just lets loose completely. I had a chance this afternoon to talk to Ricky Davey. Uh, he is a, an academy coach with Atlanta United, formerly an assistant with the Georgia State program, also with the Georgia Revolution and the NPSL. Ricky's one of the good guys in Atlanta soccer. And he had some thoughts, something we've talked about a, a lot, Jess, about the, the potential shape for this England team as the tournament goes on. Here's what Ricky thought about that. Yeah, yeah. I think this team, you could say, lends itself to 4-3-3 in, in terms of attack. Um, I think our trouble as a nation is we don't have too many top, top, top center backs right now. Um, Harry Maguire, case in point, I think he, he was magnificent against the U.S. And he in was. terms of set-piece goals, you probably score if he's not in the box um, defending those. But, yeah, I think I think once we get to the knockout stages, I, I think he'll revert back to a three. Um, I think Kyle Walker probably coming back from injury helps that too. You probably see Maguire shift to the left centre-back role. John Stone's in the middle with Kyle Walker to the right. I think it provides us a little bit more balance. Um, and just, that, yeah, the, the, I think we've been able to get away with the four at the back um, because of the opposition. I think you saw at times against the US, it was almost undone um, at times. And top, top players, don't get me wrong, but I think that's kind of what he's gone with in the past. And and I've been saying, Jason, again and again, I think Kyle Walker is the missing component that is forcing us at times to play with that back four because there isn't the balance. Walker has a lot more pace. That means he's able to cover up for the likes of Harry Maguire and Stones that don't have as much speed in their locker. And I think once he's back and ready, which will hopefully be by the knockout games, then they'll make that adjustment. And it favours, uh, as the guest was saying, it favours an attacking presence and a better team that you're facing. To get more of Ricky Davies' thoughts on, on England, on the U.S., on the tournament as a whole, the Off the Woodwork podcast. You can download it on the Odyssey app. You can also get it wherever you get your podcasts. Had a great conversation with Ricky earlier today. So for you in this match where England is in a really comfortable position to advance, what do you need to see from your three lines tomorrow? <sighs> It's a tough one because I want to find the balance between rotating the squad and seeing what everyone can offer. Phil Foden has to get in the game in terms of seeing what he can do. You can't not play someone in the group stages and then expect them to get thrown in the deep end in the knockouts and have an impact. But at the same time, you don't want to see too much squad rotation because you want a little bit of consistency. So I think if you start with a similar core group to what you've been playing, I think that Bellingham really struggled, but he struggled because of the performance of Tyler Adams being everywhere on the field. I think you give Bellingham another try because for his level of confidence and where he's at in his game, I think that dropping him to the bench right away might damage him a little bit mentally. I'm not sure if he's got the toughness or the resilience quite yet at this level. So let him add it 60 minutes and then you can make, you know, your rotation. You can bring in a Jordan Henderson who I thought did a really good job as we mentioned. You can make some changes and I'm going to say it, I don't want Harry Kane to play. And a lot of English Media is agreeing with me on that because he wasn't 100% and he looked like he was struggling out there. And I get it. Harry Kane's a key part of this England squad. He's a leader. He does a lot of off the work work. He creates space. He drops in. He can score goals. But you don't 
need an abundance of goals in this game. What you need is Harry Kane fit and ready come the knockout round. So I don't want to see him play. I think he will. I, I don't think he should, though. Yeah, it's going to be interesting as you start to look at what the knockout rounds bring. And, and that's what we're going to get into here. In, in the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to go till 1130 tonight. We're going to dig deep into the U.S.-Iran game, what to watch for tactically, what to worry about with Iran. We're going to get deep into that match at 11 o'clock. But there's also Group A that finishes up tomorrow. Group A and Group B, that's your matchups in the round of 16. The Group A winner plays second place in Group B. The Group B winner plays second place in Group A. England wins Group B, as they should. They're looking at either Ecuador or Senegal. That is an interesting matchup when you get to a round of 16 game. Group A, it's kind of cut and dried. We know Qatar is out. They play the Netherlands tomorrow. Yeah, the Dutch are fine. They're going to win the group. No worries there. Ecuador's level with the Netherlands on points. They play Senegal. Ecuador goes through with a draw or a win. Senegal has to win. It's a pretty simple group. There is a little bit of the back and forth about Ecuador wins, the Netherlands wins, who wins the group. Look, I think the Dutch are going to score more goals in their win against Qatar than Ecuador will in their win against Senegal if it comes down to that. That game, though, we've talked about both of those teams a good bit. The Dutch, we're going to get into, we get toward closer to the round of 16. We'll get deeper into what's good with them and what's not so good with them. Ecuador is a team that I've enjoyed over the, the World Cup qualification rounds in South America. They're a team that I think has shown a ton in this tournament so far. Senegal's a little bit harder to read. I think they've done a good job in dealing with the Sadio Mane absence, but I don't know if they've got enough to beat Ecuador, who I think is just more complete. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think that if you have Mane in the question, it's a completely different answer mm -hmm. to the statement, but they're missing that firepower. They're missing that leadership. They're missing that player that is able to just create that moment that changes a game, honestly. And they have some players that have stepped up, don't get me wrong. But I think that Ecuador just has this incredible aura about them in this World Cup where they're believing. And I think Nino, who we interviewed, Torres, said it, best he said that they have this fearlessness they have a feeling that they belong and you can see that every time they step foot on the pitch they're not nervous they're not tentative they're going in and they're demonstrating their game plan they have fantastic midfield in Caicedo in the link-up play and the guys that have the chemistry from playing together at Brighton Hope Albion and you're seeing that chemistry on the field and they just look really good to the extent that if they finish second and English top England tops the group that could be an upset on paper and it's a team that i don't really feel like facing quite frankly it's a team that in some ways especially in that midfield it reminds me a little bit of the u.s midfield which outplayed england's midfield the the u.s midfield tyler adams weston mckinney Eunice musa you combine all of them they're not worth what reportedly Declan Rice is going to be worth if he ever gets transferred out and what Jude Bellingham is going to be worth when he leaves Borussia Dortmund but the US midfield outplayed England's midfield and Ecuador's midfield there's a lot of similarities there I don't think that's an easy matchup no round of 16 games easy um, mm -hmm. Senegal's not going to be easy either if that comes to it but I think Ecuador has shown enough in this tournament that not just they're a team that'll be happy to get to the round of 16. 
I think they can get there in some style with a comfortable win tomorrow. I'm not doubting you. I'm not. I think that they're a really exciting team to watch that is building momentum over their results, that is growing by the day. They're not a team that feels lucky that they've picked up their results. They're a team that feels like they deserve every result, every goal, every performance. And I think what's scary about this Ecuador team, like you say, if they have a comfortable win against Senegal, the ball is rolling. The momentum is there. They're feeling really good. It's going to take a lot to stop them. And right now, when you're looking at the groups and where they're most likely going to finish, that's going to be up to England. So I'm, like I say, I'm not too thrilled about that. You look at this Ecuador team, Inter Valencia with three goals in the tournament. He's in the golden boot race. He just keeps finding a way to get on the board. But it's some of the other guys that are the keys to this team. We, we've talked about Moises Caicedo a lot. I think the two center backs are top level. Uh, Felix Torres, very good center back and Piero and Capier in the Bundesliga starting to get linked with a Premier League move. He's big, he's lefty, he can play with the ball at his feet, he can give you everything you want in the back. The midfield's strong. I think the key to this team, in my opinion, is the fullbacks. Pervis mm -hmm. Estupinian, so dangerous when he gets forward. But Angelo Preciado on the other side, we've seen him assist on goals. He's been maybe outside of Valencia, Ecuador's best player. That's a lot of players we just talked about from a team that really nobody was talking about coming into this tournament. Ecuador's legit. Now, Senegal, on the flip side, I think it comes down to Ismail Assar being able to replicate what Sadio Mane has given them. It also comes down to them handling the moments in the game. I think we saw it in the game against the Netherlands where it was very even for long periods. But the Senegalese team kind of lost their heads as the game went on. And that experience and that quality of the Netherlands ended up getting the three points. Even against Qatar, I think Senegal showed some frailties. If they mm -hmm. can handle those moments, they can compete. But I think Ecuador's a more complete team. Yeah, and I think the mental toughness is there. And that's a key component that oftentimes we underestimate in soccer, right? We talk so much about the physical. We talk about the skill. We talk about the performance on the pitch. But mentally, if you're not believing in yourself or mentally, if you're getting distracted by things that you can't control, it's going to affect your overall performance. I think we've seen Ecuador overcome adversity, overcome decision making, overcome deficits. And that's where they are a team that is wise beyond their years. You look at the stat sheet, you look at the age of a lot of these players and you're thinking, well, they're not going to be able to handle this. They're not going to be able to face these tough moments, but they've proved us wrong with every game they've played so far. So you look at the final games in the groups that start tomorrow, Group A and B tomorrow. The rest will be during the week. Two games at 10, two games at 2 every day. The group stage finales will kick off at the same time. In the last two tournaments, 2014 and 2018, there were seven teams that won their first two games in each tournament. That's almost every group had somebody who won their first two games. There's only three who have done that in 2022. Portugal. Brazil, and France. There's only two teams going into the third game that are eliminated, that have no shot. There's teams who have a very little shot, but there's only two that are eliminated, Qatar and Canada. This feels like the most wide-open World Cup that we've seen in a long time. These game threes are going to be incredible, and it's going to come down to all these little moments that we're seeing in games, the little bits of intensity, keeping your head when when you have that dip in form and getting those 
sometimes fortunate goals like Bruno Fernandes today. It's a cross, but it ends up in the back of the net. Maybe it got a little bit of the, the hair gel that helped it over the line. But you need that kind of luck at times. You got to make your own luck, but you need that kind of luck. How can the U.S. make their own luck against Iran? And what do they have to worry about with their opponents tomorrow? We're going to dig into that in our next segment. We'll be back in five minutes on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. with Atlanta Soccer Tonight. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Atlanta Soccer Tonight, back on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app rolling into the 11 o'clock hour. Jason Longshore and Jessica Charman with you this evening, getting ready for Group A and Group B finales at the World Cup tomorrow. And one of those finales is United States and Iran. U.S. has to win. Iran can get through with a draw or a win. We had a chance to see Iran maybe just have the best of situations with their win against Wales, where they had two goals in second half stoppage time, but controlled the play, I felt like. And we saw Iran have one of the worst halves in the tournament in the first half against England in game one. What do you worry about when you look at this team from Iran? What worries you? if you were waiting to see if the U.S. can deal with them tomorrow? So I think that what I am worried about from a U.S. perspective is the quality that Iran possesses. There's a lot of people that underestimate it. They see the score lines. They see the 6-2 walloping from England. Then they see the 2-0, but they look at the – they don't watch the game. They look at when the goals are scored. They see that there was a red card, and they think that it was all connected to that. But if you've watched the in-depth game – they dominated. Wales never looked like they were going to get into that game because of the way that Iran was able to control. They created opportunities going forward. They've got two really talented forwards. The goals that they've scored through this tournament are quality. You don't score two goals against England without having that quality. Yes, a penalty, but also creating the opportunity to earn themselves a penalty. I think that they have better forward power in terms of the individual quality of Mediterranean and the other guy, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but they're better than a lot of teams in this tournament with those quality power. Yeah. I think it's the first time that Iran has had this kind of firepower before this is their seventh tournament at the world cup. They've never gotten out of the group stage. They've generally been a team that has had either one dynamic player 
like Ali Dai, who's one of the the all-time greats from the Middle East. He was on that 98 team. He was really the only guy on that team in terms of the attack. Generally, they have sat. They have defended. That's been Carlos Quiroz's MO as well with this team. This time around, they've got the firepower to be able to play teams straight up. You look at Mehdi Taremi and what he's done with Porto. This season, 13 games in league, he's got six goals. He's been lighting it up in the Champions League. Five games, five goals. That's 11 goals just this season. Last year, he had 20 in league play in Portugal. He is an elite talent. Mehdi Taremi is one of the best forwards in this tournament. He's a problem. You look at the way Iran plays. It's it's a 4-3-3. If you want to call it a 4-1-4-1, you can. I think their number six is one of their most important players, mm-hmm. uh, Saeed Ezatolahi. He did not start against England, and I thought that was, again, it coincides with their worst half in the tournament. Big mistake. He's going to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the deal was there. I don't know if he was battling an injury or, or what, but he's going to sit. He's, he's a six who is a old-school defensive midfielder he's not going to be the the spark plug in possession he's not going to get forward he's going to sit stay connected to his center backs he's going to get stuck into tackles he had five tackles against wales he is a key to them to give them that defensive security to allow the attackers to go you mentioned to you mentioned starter osmoon he's the other forward Mm -hmm. who is a handful up top those two have great chemistry the wild card for me and I thought he played well in both games off the bench. Ali Golazade, the right winger who's a lefty. And we're starting to see more managers do this, Jess, where you play a player in an inverted wing position or an inverted fullback position so they can cut in on their dominant Mm -hmm. foot. Gives them the opportunity to go to goal. Golazade has that ability, and he's super technical. He can create chances. He can finish chances. He's the one on Iran's right against the U.S. left, Anthony Robinson, who is going to attack. He's the one who I really worry about potentially hurting them, cutting in and going to goal. Yeah, and it's going to be a big night for Matt Turner and goal. I think he's improved over the course of the tournament. He's looking a lot more fresh. He's looking a lot more confident in his role, had a good game against England, but he's going to have to deal with a lot here. He's going to need to lead from the back. He's going to need to be disciplined. He's going to be quick off of his line and make good decisions in coming for those crosses. And also, like you say, when you have those inverted wingers that like to cut in, it's a goalkeeper's nightmare because you don't want to get caught cheating. We see so often, and we've seen it in this tournament, I mentioned how many near post goals we've seen goalkeepers concede, Mm -hmm. because you have a tendency to cheat. You're not expecting them to take a shot. You're anticipating for the cross. You're trying to steal a couple of yards. You're trying to get your positioning right to come and catch a cross, and then they go for goal. So Matt Turner, who hasn't had many reps in terms of a competitive 11 v 11 environment lately, is going to need to be on his toes for that because he's not going to want to concede because the issue for the U.S. is if they concede a goal, do their heads drop? Do they get concerned? Do we see the mental aspect of this game disappear from the Americans? Yeah, and that's something with a young team that you have to worry about. Now, we don't know who's going to be in goal for Iran. Uh, Remember, um, Berenvan was concussed in game one. We're assuming concussed. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious from the collision. Uh, there hasn't been much conversation afterwards. He did not play in game two. There was talk at that time that he could be back for game three. 
the media has been a little distracted by other things and not talking about his status. Um, we don't know if he's going to be back. If he is in goal, one thing about him, we didn't really get to see it in the, the few minutes that he played against England. He can throw the ball longer than anybody else in this tournament. It's almost like a javelin throw. He can throw it 60 yards. And that's a weapon. That's a huge weapon. We'll see if he's in goal. Obviously, he's the regular starter. He's going to give him a lot of security. The way they're going to play, I think it's pretty simple if you're the U.S. and preparing for it. They're direct. They they were the best Asian team for direct attacks in World Cup qualifying. The way that's defined to, to understand the stat, attacks that start in a team's defensive half and result in a shot or touch taken in the opponent's penalty area within 15 seconds. That's fast. So 21 of those, they led all the Asian World Cup qualifiers. They converted about a quarter of those into goals. That's a good clip. This is yeah. a team that's not going to build up play. They're going to bomb it long and expect Osmond and Taremi to figure it out. Do you worry about the U.S. back line getting yeah. caught off guard by that? Yeah, because the U.S. is going to have to get forward. They're going to have to take chances. And and I think the, the biggest player in this game, and he's been the biggest player for the U.S. in this tournament, is Tyler Adams. Because he's going to have to be dual personality Tyler Adams. He's going to have to give you things in the attack. And that's not his his best part of his game. That's not the most important part of his game. But you've got to get everybody forward as much as possible. He's going to have to get forward and keep attacks going and maybe hit that big switch that opens the play up. Again, not his strong suit, but he's going to have to look to do those. But it can't come at the expense of being able to help Tim Ream, Walker Zimmerman, who I'd expect to start at center back. He's got to be in position to help them deal with that direct play because Iran's not going to pass, 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 and then go. Mm -hmm. They get possession in their defensive third. Boom. It's over your head. You're running back to get it. You know Anthony Robinson's going to get forward. You know Serginio Dest is going to get forward or Shaq Moore or DeAndre Yedlin on the right side. You know they're going to go. The center backs are going to stay. Tyler's got to be able to do both he really needs a as good as he's been in this tournament he needs to be even better tomorrow now knowing the circumstances of qualification do you think iran goes into this one okay with a draw trying to play very defensive or do you think they're looking for the win i think they're looking for what the game gives them um i, I think the way they play kind of lends itself to playing for a draw if you want to define it that way because th they're gonna keep numbers behind the ball they don't commit a lot of players forward so you know, if you're already a direct team, you're kind of built to do that naturally. You don't have to change anything about your personality to do it. And the other thing about Iran, too, that the U.S. has to keep in mind is this is a team, two goals in stoppage time against Wales, one goal in stoppage time, maybe a dodgy penalty, but it was a mm -hmm. penalty against England. That's three second-half stoppage time goals in this tournament. So even if you get the lead, you've got to deal with that aspect. This is... This is not going to be an easy game for the U.S. at all. Um, it's, it, it is stressful. It, it should be something that Greg Berhalter and his staff are worried about. And he has to give those clear instructions to his players. Not too much, but a couple of things for each player. You have to do this, and you have to watch for this. And, and I think that's going to be critical in this. You've talked about Tyler Adams being a key 
What else stands out though? Who else? You talk about that conversation, right? If you had to pick two players to say one instruction, what would it be? I think for Tyler, it's just that. It's you've got to give us something in the attack and then you've got to be ready to cover back on that direct ball over the top because you know it's coming. And the other player, I, I you know, I, I don't want to oversimplify this, but when you get to game three and you get to this scenario where it's must win, you do simplify it. You need to sit down with Christian Pulisic. And I think he's played well. I, I don't think he's played badly in this tournament. He's hit the post. He's been close. The U.S. has hit the post in both games. But this is the game where you're probably going to need a moment of individual magic. I hope it's not like 2010 in that Algeria game where you're waiting that long for the individual moment. That was a game where Clint Dempsey had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and it was save or it was post or it was a narrow miss, and it was the hardest game to watch that I can remember. And then Landon Donovan got it done. And you're going to need Christian Pulisic to be into a, in a position tomorrow to where it might be that time for you to, to truly be Captain America. It's been like a funny thing that they say on commentary in the Premier League. You know, oh, it's Captain America. And <laughs> no, like Christian, you might have to be Captain America in this, in this attack because he's got the quality to do it. We've seen it. We've seen it in Champions League games. He can decide a game. And tomorrow, he might just have to decide the U.S.'s future. How are you going to feel if it's nil-nil at halftime, like every game seems to be these days? <sighs> I I will be stressed out for sure. Um, I do want to see how it, how it gets to nil-nil, if that's what we're going to see. Because I have felt generally very good about the way the U.S. has played. I've felt good about the way that they have approached games. I've felt good about performances. There's really not a lot to feel bad about. There just isn't. That's I hope I hope I'm feeling that way, even if it is tight. And it's just one of those things that we don't know with such a young team. You don't know how they're going to handle the moment. What happens if one of those first direct plays over the top from Iran gets Taremi in behind and he scores? You know, we're not going to know until it happens. Can the, can this team fight back in a game? Can they come from behind if they have to? There's a lot of questions because they're so young. They're so young, but they have shown, I think, some mental strength in this tournament. They've shown the quality necessary in this tournament. They have shown everything they need to show. Carlos Quiroz said the most consistent, mm -hmm. best team in this group, so far has been the US. Maybe that's gamesmanship. <laughs> not, but they have been very, very good. And US fans should feel very, very good about that. And this is the the unfair nature of the world's game. They can be very, very good and they can go home and fail. And that's what's on the line tomorrow. And that's where You've got to find that goal however it comes. If it's off a set piece, if it's off a deflection, if it's off a Christian Pulisic making magic happen, if it's from a substitute, whatever it is, you've got to find that way to do it. The I one think thing we alluded, Jason, yeah. in the um, pre preview that this was going to be such an interesting group, right? And it almost feels like it's a group where all three teams, Wales, yeah, but all of the other three teams sort of deserve to get through. It's a hard situation where one of them's going to have to go home, you know? 
Yeah, it is. And it, it's going to define people's futures. It's going to define people's legacies. It, it's going to define a lot about these two programs. Um, it's going to define a lot about the national discourse in these two countries as well, because that's on the line too. But the players have to keep that stuff to the side. They have to focus on what they can control. One aspect here to keep in mind about this Iran team. Under Carlos Quiroz, 101 games, three different runs with this team. They have never come back to win a match. They've come back to get a draw. They've never come back to win a match. They're a front-running kind of team. You get up on them first, I, I like the U.S. chances if you can do that because then Iran has to come out, and I think you can hit them on the break for more goals. But you've got to get that first goal in the first half, in my opinion. I think that's a key to this game. One more segment. We're going to break everything down and according to the juice boxes out there. I haven't looked at them yet. I'm kind of intrigued to see what they're going to say about Ecuador, Senegal, and about the U.S. and Iran. We'll find out in three minutes on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Now we're back with more of our look at all of today's matches on Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Let's go! On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back. Final segment, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. We always get into the juice boxes in this segment. We're going to get into more on the tactical side as well. We've even got a, a question from one of our, our loyal listeners out there that I want to dig into. But Jess, let's start with the juice boxes for tomorrow. We'll kind of build up to the big one. Let's go to Group A first. Uh, the Dutch are a minus 550 against Qatar. Qatar is a plus 1,200. The draw is plus 550. Uh, you've got to be a real degenerate to even be thinking about juice boxes on that game. Just don't do it. Please, don't do it. You never know. You never don't know. know. Come no, on. I know. I know. Come on. I, I know. I know. Don't put anything on Qatar. Don't put anything on the draw. The Dutch could could play the the last guys on the bench, and they're still going to be fine in that game. Just don't don't even worry about it. The other game's a little interesting. Ecuador and Senegal. Senegal's the underdog, plus two twenty. The draws plus two ten. Ecuador is plus one thirty five. I feel pretty good about that win for Ecuador. I do like the odds in terms of both, though. I like that it's showing that it's a even-looking game between these two sides. I think it's going to be a fairly even game, but I would tend to favor the Ecuadorians just because of the way they've played in the first two games. I think they've been the better side. They've been the most consistent. They have some really good, exciting young players that almost still aren't well enough known that they're scouted by the opposition to knock them out the game. When we talk about big name players, sometimes they are kept quiet, the likes of Pulisic, because of how teams are able to adjust and focus on them so much. Ecuador is almost benefiting from sliding under the radar a little bit, being underestimated, and then coming out so strong. Yeah, I think also we might be affecting the uh, odds over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, I want to take credit for this. I really do. Uh, since we are the founders, along with Nino Torres, of the Kevin Rodriguez fan club, he is the number four option on the anytime goal scorer list. Kevin Rodriguez, second division player in Ecuador. I think we're the only podcast, radio show, uh, vlog, anybody talking about Kevin Rodriguez in English. 
and he's plus 270 to get a goal in this. He's the number two option for Ecuador behind Inter Valencia. That's crazy. I'm taking credit for that. Hey, people are listening. That's all that matters, right? There's someone sitting somewhere listening to us, Jason. FanDuel Sportsbook is listening to our thoughts on Kevin Rodriguez, a reserve forward for Ecuador, and they are giving him prime odds. I don't like those odds. I like some of the other odds better. Gonzalo Plata is the one that I really like in that game. All right, let's go to Wales and England. Uh, England is a minus 230 to win, plus 320 for the draw. Wales is a plus 700. That feels about right. Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised. Let's be honest here. But I think anyone that lives in the United Kingdom knows how much it would mean to the Welsh to be able mm-hmm. to upset England. It would mean to a lot of other countries. I think Scotland would probably be rooting for Wales very hard tomorrow as well. So Scotland roots for everybody against England. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think everybody. it's not really a friendly, friendly little island no. during these times. So I think that that may be the firepower under the Welsh that may motivate them for the first 45 minutes. But I think the talent gap will show by the end of the game. Now, I got to I gotta ask you, because you've gotten a little spicy talking about Wales. Do you have issue with the Welsh? No, no. I, I'm just trying to make sure. I know I've got a lot of people in England listening, so I'm making sure I follow the trend, right? No, I think that... <laughs> It's such an awkward, it's such a strange, unique circumstance, right? Where when it comes to the Olympics, everyone plays together. We love each other. We're cheering for each other. We want the best Welsh players. And then all of a sudden you're divided up. I just think such a unique circumstance in terms of the United Kingdom, Northern Ireland, and then dividing up for these tournaments. It's all fun and games, but I love a good rivalry. And this is a rivalry rooted. This isn't one of those, you know, forced rivalries that we see after a year of existence. This is a rivalry that has been a long time coming politically, geographically, socially, economically. So it, it's it's a pretty tough one. The history between these two. Uh, England has beaten Wales five straight times in all competitions. Uh, they've played a lot over the years or used to be the, what was it, the home nations championship where it was the, the four that had like mm-hmm. a round robin. Um, and they had to stop that because the, the fans were getting out of hand and they're fighting each other. That's that's the rivalry aspect. So England has beaten Wales 68 times in their history in full senior internationals. Wales has beaten England 14 times and 21 draws. But the last five straight, England has beaten Wales. I think it's going to be six straight after tomorrow. Sorry, Wales. I just I have no faith in you. Um, let's get into the U.S. and Iran. The U.S. is the favorite. Almost even money, plus 100. The draws plus 230. That's not good enough for the U.S. And Iran winning is plus 300. I think the game's more even than those numbers, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it, right? I think that it's going to be a war out there. It's going to be a battle on the field. It's going to be very, very competitive between these two teams because they are both full of quality. They both know what's on the line. And I think... It's going to be interesting to see how the first five, 10 minutes play out of this match, whether teams are tentative on the pitch, whether one team's going out all aggressively, whether, you know, Iran sits back like we expect them to do. But does U.S. take the game to Iran as much as maybe we want them to? They've seen the success in doing that against England, right? When they pressed, when they put pressure on, where they dominated, where they won battles and duels, they made England look absolutely average. But are they going to be able to do that? 
in this game where the stakes are perhaps a little higher, knowing that they have to win. They don't want to take the risk of going all out and being caught off guard. If you're feeling really squirrely and looking at these numbers on FanDuel Sportsbook, there's one that I really like in terms of anytime goal scorer, and it's Christian Pulisic. I think Pulisic, if the U.S. is going to win, he's going to need to get on the, the score sheet. He's plus 290. That's that's pretty good for somebody as important in the attack as Christian Pulisic. If you're feeling really squirrely, I'll go out on a limb here and a player that the U.S. has targeted on a set piece at least once, and it almost came off against England. It was so close. Walker Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. And, and how poetic would that be, Jess, if the one goal you've given up so far, it's a mistake from Zimmerman. Zimmerman has really played his way from not even being called into a, a group for qualifiers, not even being called into the team. Injuries, he gets called in. He plays well. He really takes up the position first next to Miles Robinson and then steps up even more when Miles has the injury and becomes first choice on the team sheet in the back. Walker Zimmerman makes the mistake, cost them two points against Wales. How poetic would it be for him to score the goal that sends the U.S. to the next round? I think it'd be amazing. And particularly as Walker's such a nice guy, you see him in the press conferences, you see him in the interview features, seems like the most genuine guy out there. Great note for MLS too, of a player that plays in MLS is able to stand up on this stage and sort of make amends. And I think that I was really disappointed in how high the criticism was of him for making an individual error. I get it. It's a costly error. But there are people diving in, missing chances, making other poor choices. This one just stands out. It's like a goalkeeping error, right? People are far less willing to forgive a goalkeeper that makes a mistake because it's going to be punished by a goal like his tackle was versus the forward that misses a sitter versus the winger that doesn't time his pass correctly or is selfish in front of goal because those moments don't apply on the score sheet. And I think that it was so cruel how Zimmerman was targeted as the reason that the U.S. wasn't able to get a win in that game. And I think that he would deserve it more than anyone. And I think the U.S. looked pretty good from set pieces against England as well. Mm -hmm. So it may be an opportunity if this game gets heated, if we see the physicality, if we see players diving in, making big challenges, if we see Iran committing some dangerous fouls, that may give the U.S. that outlet to bring forward these powerful players that are so good in the air. Zimmerman is really good in these situations. Go back to his time with FC Dallas, where he's won games before with big moments late on set pieces. I hope it doesn't come down to that. I hope it's maybe a a fifth minute header off of a corner instead of an 85th minute. Uh, But I will take it. I think Zimmerman could end up being a factor in those moments. A question from one of our loyal listeners, uh, Will. He wanted to know out of these four players, you can pick two. And I guess we're going to assume that Tyler Adams is is a must in the midfield. Out of these four, who needs to be in the team between Gio Reyna, Weston McKinney, Brendan Aronson, and Eunice Musa? What say you? I love Aronson so much. I think he brings a different dynamic. I think he brings a different pace. I think he's very, very talented. I think that he has really good chemistry with Adams, obviously, because of the time they spent together. 
So I'm going to throw him in. I don't think he's been given enough game time and enough opportunity to show what he can do. And then I'm going to throw McKinney because I think that he's demonstrated what he can do on the pitch as well. I know that this isn't the answer. Everyone wants Reina, right? And I get it. But I'm not sure it's the right. I think he's a player that can have a really good impact off of the bench and maybe should be given a bit more time off of the bench. I think we've been quite slow, and England can say it too, quite yeah. slow to go to our bench at times, quite reactionary, waiting instead of making that bold move. But I think McKinney, his personality, and if he's 100% fit, the fight that he brings, the desire that he brings, the ruthlessness in moments to throw in at that challenge, the never-say-die attitude is something that you can't risk losing either. Yeah, I, th I think Brendan Aronson's a must-start for me. He was coming into the tournament. I think he's even more so coming into a game like this because, you know, these games at this stage – the, the tactics are, are kind of what they are. Like the U.S. isn't going to turn into something that they're not. They're, they're not going to score a ton of goals. Um, they can score goals, but they're not going to score a ton. They're, they're not going to all of a sudden become a long ball team. They're not going to all of a sudden just try to play on the counter. They, they are who they are. And I think you need somebody like Aronson with his energy to be in from the start because I think that's contagious. And I, I think it's critical in a game like this. You know, when you come into a tournament, we talk a lot about the the game model and the tactics and and what the coach does in the preparation. Now, this tournament's different than any other because they really didn't have much time to prepare. But mm -hmm. the the teams have their identities, and that's important. When you get to this point, your identity is what it is. You're getting into some of those intangibles, some of those harder to quantify things. It is personality. It is chemistry. I'm with you. I think Aronson and Tyler Adams are very important to be on the field together. And I'd play Aronson in the midfield. I'd play him in that central midfield, not out on the wing, play in the central midfield. I would start him and McKinney as well with Tyler Adams. Um, Musa would be my guy on call to replace McKinney because I don't think McKinney can give you 90 right now. I just don't think mm -hmm. he can get that deep into it. I think he can probably give you 60. Musa would be my sub for McKinney. Okay. I feel good about that. Rain is my sub up top, and I would like to see him earlier um, if you're chasing a goal. Now, hopefully, again, you're not, and then it's a different game because this is not about giving somebody minutes just to give them minutes. This is about survival, and if you get a lead and you've got to protect it a little bit more, then you're making different subs. But if you have to go chase it and you're in the 60th minute and you need that offensive spark, Gio Reyna needs that time. That would be where I would use him. Uh, one thing Greg Perhalter, I, I think, made clear in his media availability today when he wasn't being asked about, you know, moving battleships out of the sea, which I'm sure Greg Berhalter is really thinking about that these days. Uh, he's not going to make a dramatic change in his personnel. You know, there was a lot of people who are, are beating the drum of playing Gio Reyna as the number nine or, or playing Tim Weah as the number nine. Greg's not going to do that. And he's betting his career on it. You know, like this isn't just, ah, well, you know, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do because I I have a big ego, which is how some people try to spend it. No, he's betting his career on it. He's betting his professional life on it, that he's prepared this team. He's got them ready and he's got three forwards. He's got to make a decision on which one's going to start. I think I'd go back to Josh Sargent. Um, I like Haji Wright, but I think Josh Sargent in this game with his mobility and his pressing mm -hmm. to be able to try when Iran wants to launch that long ball to be disruptive to it, mm -hmm. I think Sargent is the better fit. You're not going to move Reina or Weah into that role at this stage. You're just not. Verhalter made that 
clear today. And I don't think that was gamesmanship. I think that was legit. No, and I tend to agree. You don't want to make changes that are that dramatic when you've played well. I think mm -hmm. that's what we have to keep reminding ourselves. The U.S. has played better than the amounts of points they have yep. on the board. They should feel hard done by right now. I truly think they should in terms of how that represents the performances they've had. Now, if they had been awful, if England had beat them 3-4-0, then you maybe need to make some dramatic changes. Maybe then you need to figure out what was the root cause. Why are we not able to create chances? Why are we being dominated? But they haven't. It's more about tweaking the little things tomorrow. This is where you see this very young U.S. team. This is where you see these boys become men. And they need to tomorrow because it's going to be a close game. I don't see it blowing open either way. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's probably going to come down to the second half. I think it's probably going to get very late because Iran is a very, very good team. I don't think you're going to keep them off the board either. I think they're going to get a goal. Can you get a couple first? And that needs to be the mentality is the U.S. needs to jump out on top. I don't think it's going to be easy to do that. You're going to need Tyler Adams, Christian Pulisic, these guys who have been the face of the program, Brendan Aronson, Josh Sargent, Weston McKinney, those guys. Anthony Robinson, I think, is critical. You're going to need those guys to grow up very quickly as men. And that's what it's going to take tomorrow. We'll see if they can do it. We'll be back at 11 p.m. tomorrow, right after John Chuckery. I don't know if I'll have a voice. I don't know if I'll still be yelling. I don't know if I will be ecstatic. I have no idea how I'm going to feel tomorrow at 11 o'clock. But we will be here on 92.9 The Game. You can also join us live on the Odyssey app. You can always download the show on demand on the Off the Woodwork podcast. There's some bonus interviews for you there as well. Ricky Davey, thank you for taking some time for me today. Thanks for spending a part of your Monday night with us. We'll see you tomorrow. Adios, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.